Well, Dennis, it's really good to see you again. It's been a while. And yeah. from we have just been talking about before we turn the recorder on, it sounds like that you're um, experimenting with and enjoying a lot of success in your practice. And I wanted to congratulate you for that. Thank you. And that uh, uh, one of the things that you were talking about was is that now that I'm seeing things clearly, I recognize that everything before was upside down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that this is what the Buddha refers to as ignorance in the second noble truth is the reason that we are attracted to things that we like is because of this ignorance of everything is upside down. Mm, yeah. And the reality is, is that everything is already okay. That you're still alive, you're still breathing. Right now, you're still here. That means you were quite successful at getting here now. Yeah. And yeah. very few of us want to congratulate ourselves for just being alive. It's That's, it's mind-boggling. <laughs> right, I know. Some people think 40 years is quite a lot. But when you got 75, 76 years on it, it's like, wow, this is really interesting stuff, this life. It feels like the practice compacts 76 years into, like, four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, definitely. I know what you mean by that in the sense of waking up finally. That a, a, a one of the ways of thinking about it is, is that it does, uh, the waking up process that people have with the Dhamma, of beginning to pay attention, look at the kind of thoughts they have, and recognize that most of those thoughts are rule-bound, rule-based, that we learn those thoughts as kids, and that we're just continuing to act like kids. And so what happens is, is that we begin to grow up very quickly. Yeah, you grow up really, really fast that we put some years on in a, in a great big hurry. There we were stuck at the age of six or seven or 13 or whatever uh, for 20 years. And now within a few months or a year or two, we do all of that growing up to where now we're actually the age that we are rather than living uh, according to a set of rules that we learned when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's the perfect way to say. I mean, it's that it's almost like a natural thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know. Well, it's an all it's also very well known. There are passages in the Bible that talk about that. That uh, Paul uh, wrote that when I was a child, I played with childish toys. But now that I'm an adult, I put away those childish things. Now, basically, we're not talking about a toy doll or a little truck, um, uh, a teddy bear. We're talking about putting away um, the way that we thought as a child, which you know, as children, we, we learn jealousy. We learn to get our way by being angry, and by holding out. But we also have an internal base of dependency that every child within us uh, feels like we're not good enough 
all on our own, that we've got to go do something or get something or pick something in order to qualify for the next breath. Yeah, that's the biggest. I think the only thing that I had hardest time with is that because it's frustrating because not because it's not true. It's because it's so true that no matter what you do, you can't make it any better than what it is already. And that's uh, mm -hmm. that gets people like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right, because we've been taught to strive. Mm -hmm. And when we relax and say, hey, I don't have to strive anymore, then that old rule-based, uh, let us say, idea, concept, um, view, kind of a viewpoint. Um, <clears throat> in the Pali, they've got a word for it exactly, the Sama Sankapa. And then I normally translate that as attitude. But another way of talking about it is a, um, a tendency. It's not really a thought, not fully formed thought. It's just a tendency. The yeah. tendency of I need something. The tendency of I'm not good enough. The tendency of I will be all right later if. And that that's often not vocalized or expressed, but it's still the tendency of the mind. It's a feeling, no? Like it's more of like a like a drive. Almost, like, oh. Yeah, it's a drive. I like that, and in fact, it is a drive, and that fits in with um, in uh, TA in transactional analysis. Uh, they developed. I'll go into the history if you want to, but they developed five drivers, and I've come to see that three of the drivers are really the same driver, and the other two drivers are really the same driver. Okay. And in these drivers, one of them is hurry up. And I had a whole lot of hurry up when I was a kid. Mm. Get it done in a hurry. Be the first in line. Yeah. Okay, that kind of thing. Um, another uh, aspect of that is to be strong, to be tough, to stand up. These kind of people who have that driver wind up being bullies, police, boxers, sometimes politicians, and they bully their way around, okay? And then there is the other one, uh, the third one in that group is be perfect. You got to get it right. Now, you can see how these three work in combination. In fact, a CEO will be both a bully and getting it right. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Okay, because if he can't get it right, then he's just a bully. Now he's just a gangster. Yeah, like he's justifying what he's doing. Uh-huh. But when we have both of those drivers, or in fact, we also, every one of us has a subtle hurry up. That can be, in fact, one of the expressions of hurry up is anxiety. Yeah. Um, in Christianity and other places, they talk about patience. But what we're talking about here is a much deeper level of patience in the sense that patience on the surface is like, I want this or I want that. And I've got to be patient in order to get this or that. 
But that deeper level is, is that we learn to be patient. Because everything is already there. I don't have to wait for anything. I'm not even waiting. That the word waiting tends to have a completely different meaning now because that's the only thing there's left to do. <laughs> He's just waiting around, just hanging out. <laughs> you know, that's the thing that blows my mind the most is. Is that like, I don't know, like not to sound off like weird or whatever, but um, the reality is. Uh, or what we could call reality as opposed to what we're used to um, is like. Is completely um, already, like you said, it's already like it's effortless. It has no sense of like st stuckness. Like it has no mm -hmm. sense of stopping, like stop. You know, it doesn't have it's, that. It's got no sense of being driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful. There's, like it's it's truly beautiful. Mm -hmm, that we're not driven by this hurry up. That we're no longer in a hurry. We're not driven by um uh you you gotta put on a show. You gotta be something you're not. Yeah. Uh, which is to be strong, be tough. And we're not driven by trying to get it right, trying to learn it all, trying to know everything, trying to figure it all out. That in fact, what happens is is we become comfortable that we know enough. Well, not ever. Uh, get it all. Um, here's an example of, of that that I, I just heard this today on, on uh, YouTube and it impressed me. And so I thought that I would uh, tell you about it is, is that the, the lady said, in fact, what she said was, is thinking that you're tall does not make you tall. Yeah. All right. Okay. But guess what? Thinking that you're tall enough makes you tall enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 like um uh with time even like how we experience time like as opposed to like when you're thinking about all of the stuff that you're supposed to be doing as opposed to just um there's like that old Zen saying like being being time and it's like like how you say it's like resting in that already patient. Like mm -hmm. it's all, like because it's weird how how everything in your body and your senses, everything that isn't you is so much more chill. <laughs> like like it seems <laughs> so much more like it doesn't notice you at all. <laughs> right, right, because it goes in reverse that in fact, this is the whole quality of uh, staring at somebody across the crowded room and they immediately look to see who is it just looking at them and they catch yeah. your eye immediately and then you're shy, you, you look away. How is it that we know that? That's, it's not a sixth sense, but it is picking up. It's almost like um, the body itself is an antenna. And if we're paying attention to what the body's feeling, then we can pick up on all kinds of things that we didn't before. An example of that is, is that, um, and I'll start with it as this example, that elephants can hear their herd very, very far away, 50, 100 kilometers, something like that. 
because they can feel the ground with their great big feet. And the elephants that are traveling that distance away pound the earth that put enough vibration so that they can experience that feeling and orient themselves towards that herd so that they could catch up with it. Wow. They do that by sensing the way that you can sense things. And I do this with, in fact, one of the biggest diagnostic tools that I have in working with my network, especially hard drives, is my hand. To hold that hard drive and feel its clicks, its pops, its rotations, its spin-ups, and that kind of stuff, because it's always got a music to it when it's working properly. Yeah. And I can hold that hard drive and feel what it's doing. A lot of people do that when they're racing cars. They feel the motorbike. They can sense everything that's happening in that motorbike because it's through the vibrations. Those vibrations are coming in from all over the body. Okay. And so there's a more of a sense to the body than just the way that we think of it in the sense of touch that one of the ways of developing this is with the mudras where you're putting your fingers very close to the thumbs without touching them until you can actually sense that, yeah, you can actually feel that thumb and index finger close to each other without actually touching because the touch is a different feeling than this sense of connection. Yeah, it's it's we, it's strange how, it's strange how like you could be on a motorbike and all of that is happening and it, all of that gives you the sense that you're the one in control. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy like how that works. Like there's no separation between the sense of like obviously it's not that you have control. It's just that it's making up this sense of like all these sensations are giving you this sense of something is happening right now. Right, but that sense of control while on a motorbike at whatever speed limit that the individual can can manage, yeah, and and feeling it in control, is part of the exhilaration of riding the motorbike. Is, is that you you're actually in control of this thing while you're weaving in and out or doing kind of crazy things, at least for you, because everybody's testing their own limits. Yeah. Now, we can actually use that in the sense of meditation. How can I feel so in control of this moment while I'm just sitting here without a motorbike? I don't need a motorbike to have that feeling or that sense of being absolutely in control of this. I can handle this. Yeah. So and it has a sense of exhilaration to it. The exhilaration of the knowing that you've got this. <laughs> And so that that um, point about the motorbike that you're making, yes. So get if you've actually done that with motorbikes, or you've done that even with bicycles. I mean, I've had friends that could stand on one foot on the seat and the other one on the uh, the steering wheel in the or the, uh, uh, the, uh, the steering bars, the handlebars in the middle, and steer it with the bottom of his foot what the on heck? a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how people would do that on bikes. I'm like, how the heck do you do that? Well, he was just an amateur. He was just playing around. These good, some of those guys can then jump up in the air and do a flip and land back in the same way. <laughs> but I don't know that. 
But that's being in control. So that's the whole point. That's why people do that kind of stuff. It gives them a sense of being in control of the body. This is one of the reasons why people want to be like Putin. Putin wants to feel that sense of control, that sense of power. Yeah. Why do we want that? It's because we feel afraid without it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, well, yeah, because everything, then everything's just, you know, as it is, pretty much. <laughs> and out of control, because that's the other side of being in control and knowing it that you're in control and the feeling of the acceleration. The only other option is to feel out of control. It's so, it's, but that's the crazy part is like, all of the control is just stress. Like, it's just like not understanding that there's nothing wrong. Everything's cool. Ah, but that's actually the being in control, the one who is out of control. And by the way, we, we learned that when we were little kids, we, we came from a position as being born of being out of control. Yeah. And then we raised into childhood and there we were first grade and we're out of control and the teacher's in control. And then we're out in the a playground, we're out of control, the bully's in control. And all it goes on and on and on and many of us grow up feeling out of control. And here you have Vladimir Putin who has been working very hard to get his mind in control. And now he's trying to hold a war because yeah. he's got to maintain that sense of I'm in charge here because he can't deal with things in his own mind. So in fact, we're doing it by trying to control, he's trying to control the motorbike called Ukraine. <laughs> that, that dynamic exists in every relationship that isn't genuine. Like it, it exists in every, especially with men and women, like especially, mm -hmm. like that's so obvious. The, the power trip, yeah. especially the power trip of the man wanting the woman to be his mommy. Yep. And she doesn't want to be his mommy. She wants to be his friend or uh, the mommy to uh, other babies. <laughs> yeah. And that and that's one of those things that need to be resolved so that they're very happy with the relationship that they do have together rather than um, the girl, for instance, getting the guy as uh, a, a rough diamond and she's going to take her um, little hammers and chisels and she's going to put some facets on this guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> funny to make it I, shine. <laughs> I think that's one of the, the the most intense ways you can learn how to be, you know, like more in your own space and your own like learn how to like do all this is like when you you're able to love people without needing like without having to make something out of it that's really difficult like it's difficult because you have to learn to do that like you, you have to learn you know it's a skill literally yeah. it's a skill to be developed yeah absolutely and these are part of the skills that we're developing uh that in fact the first part of the skill is learning to make friends with our better half. Then we learn to make friends with our dark side. 
And yeah. when we're completely integrated with our in and our uh, <clears throat> dark and our bright and our uh, parent and our child and our adult and become unified, the skills that we have of doing that are the very skills that we need to deal with other people, whether they have that integration or not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like what blows my mind is how I'm alive and I learn all this. Like that, that's how uh, what blows my mind is like how you learn this and you don't even know like how really <laughs> like you just pay attention and then that's like, it, you know? Yeah, it's it just that's whoop. the whole of it is look, remember to look. And when you look and you find something there that needs to be, uh, let us say, dealt with, we deal with it easily. And yeah. we can then gain the habit of, hey, I can deal with anything easily. Oh, an unwholesome thought, out it goes. I handle that just like, well, just throw the stuff out. This unwholesome and everything becomes really easy. And so when we do that enough, then we begin to give the attitude, hey, everything's easy. And then we're not driven anymore because everything is already easy. There's nothing hard left. We're not in a hurry. We're not trying to be tough. We're not trying to get it right. Just everything is okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's funny because like everything is okay and all that, and then there's like also the energy that gets released because everything's okay, you know, and mm -hmm. all that energy that you've been suppressing because holding it all back, you know. Right, and in fact, we've been spending a lot of energy and a lot of effort trying to hold it back where in fact it was holding itself up all along and it didn't need to be held back. It's very much like seeing somebody, you know, you see the football players that uh, they've got these big rants and they take and put their elbow in it and up two, three, four and push on it. Oh, well, yeah. a lot of us are doing that mentally with some sort of rules or laws that we've got in our mind and we're just pushing against that rule, not being able to get past it. Like you're not good enough. And, and thoughts like that. And so we're actually spending a lot of energy trying to and failing at meeting our own standards. Yeah, and it's that's, you know, it's so crazy because it's like you like I, I already knew you were going to relate to all this and because obviously we're <laughs> <laughs> human. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like I think the biggest grow up part for me of like the last two years have been when I realized that the person I love the most I couldn't love as much as I wanted because I realized that I failed to love myself and meet the standards <clears> that <throat> I always knew that I could be. And and it wasn't like an inadequate thing. It was like, oh, like it's not even about that. It's like it's like the only reason I never met them is because I thought I couldn't. Like I mm -hmm. thought that there was a problem with me that there was like it's who I am. It's not my standards. It's who it's who I am naturally. Like that's a really good example of look how much effort you put into you're not good enough. Yeah, it's like this old joke. It's like you you do everything you want only at the end to get the opposite of what you intended. You know, uh -huh. it's like because you kept like. You I don't it's like so weird. It's so weird how it like it's just different. It's just different because it's like. It, I mean, for me, it's still new, so it's like it's still kind of like, wow, like everything is still so like, like, a, a, 
it's how it, how everything reflects differently. It's like um, how the Buddha uses the word convention and then the word like the the reality and how mm-hmm. each play with each other and react to one another and how it all kind of mingles together. And it's like so strange how how um, how obvious it is. And then it's like the more you realize how obvious it is, the more funny it is. Because it's <laughs> it's like how how you know you're like wow but you know how but you don't (laughs) and it's like it's it's just it's a you're amazed by your own like by the mind like what life is like how it works like it's just crazy. that's a good way of putting it is actually uh we can use that word amazing in the sense that there is so much happening all the time we couldn't possibly take in everything that's happening because we can only focus one thing at a time, but we can keep that openness. The problem with most people is, is that they spend so many of the mind moments in on the internal, rather than paying attention to the senses. And so by paying attention to the senses and paying attention to what's going on there, we also recognize when the thought system is interrupting us from being in the here now. Because literally being in the here now means to be in the senses as opposed to being in the past or the future is being in the mind, being in conceptual thought. It's, it's, yeah, because that's what time is. Like time is just basically like memories of things that you keep on reflecting on and, you know. That's right. Time is an illusion and that it's, it's true that there is movement and movement goes in cycles and what we call a year and think of as time is nothing but the interrelationship between the earth and the sun and that it's actually you've probably heard that there is not 24 hours in a day why do the clocks all have 24 hours a day when in fact it's only 23 hours and 56 minutes Okay. <laughs> to do one circle. To do exactly one circle takes 23 hours and 56 minutes and a few points. Why do we measure it as um, 24 hours? Is because by the time the Earth is moved around in a circle, it's also moved forwards in distance. So its relationship to the sun is different now, and it needs an additional four minutes to catch up to be actually high noon. Wow, that's crazy. I never knew that at all. Our time is four minutes delayed. (laughs) We're four minutes behind. One full circle is not a day. One full circle plus the amount of time that we have our distance that the Earth has moved in order for it to line up so that the sun is directly overhead again. That's crazy. It's like, like how the heck, like how does the Earth know? <laughs> it <laughs> like, doesn't. It's just spinning around. It's the humans that know. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's only the humans that know this, and we've done that through observation. But you have to look really closely to see that the Earth spins in twenty-three hours and fifty-six minutes in one full rotation but it takes just a little bit more for the sun to line up to make it high noon again. It's interesting how you mentioned that time is actually like, because these are like gradations of the same experience. 
So like it's like time is actually movement. But then if you look closer to movement, it's still. And then if you look close enough, it's actually both. And then if you look it, close enough, it's like <laughs> you can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we go down down into uh, that kind of reality, but we can also see that same procedure by going down into the mind. That first our thoughts, when we're beginning our practice, our thoughts look really solid, big, tough, me. And as we practice more and more and begin to recognize that we can change that thought anytime that we want to, it becomes less real, less physical, and more like a, a, a bubble or, or a sea foam. Yeah. But in fact, that's one of the descriptions of that everything is like sea foam because that's where the mind is. It's just bubbling, popping a new bubble about once every tenth of a second or so. And that's all we are, is just a bubbling. So if that's true, then we can bubble green instead of blue. Just because we had a blue bubble doesn't mean we got to stay a blue bubble, which is the way that we have been trained. But now we just recognize that we can change the mind to be anything that we want to. We don't have to get in and stay in that groove that we picked up when we were kids. It's all, it's... It's great because uh, like I remember like I really was struggling with like the monk and like wanting to be a monk and not wanting to be a monk and I don't know if you remember <laughs> that but I, re I remember yes that. I do I do I remember <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's 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 so funny because now it's like it doesn't even matter like it's almost like of course like it's tempting and all that and like it's lovely and everything but it's almost like like, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if it's not meant to be, it's meant to be. But I could still be happy. Like, that was never about being, a, like, that has nothing to do with being a monk. It's uh -huh. like, you know, being happy has nothing to, like, of course, there's, like, you know what I mean. So, you know. I do, like, precisely. Yeah, in know? fact, a lot of people want to be a monk, want to be a monk. They make themselves miserable wanting to be a monk. They work really hard. Then they finally ordain. And then after they become a monk, they're still working really hard. They're not a good enough monk. It's it's like and they could have your... dropped all of that struggle with or without the ordination. The ordination is optional. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I don't I don't know. Like I I know why, but it's like man, you look back on yourself and you're like, what? <laughs> like why were you tripping so much? But it's like um and also like I think it's because I like I personally try to avoid sadness. Like, try to avoid pain, try to avoid relationship, try to avoid... I think that's what most people think, like, all of this is for, is to avoid relationship. Which is, like, the opposite of what this is. It's probably so intimate and so, like... um, It's, like, so different, because, like, I think um, when you read it with the lens of, like, I hate life, and this is for me to stop, to, like, get out of this... It's like the you get this impression that the Buddha is this person that's just like crazy and trying to make your life like like this solid brick that doesn't do anything. And that's how I saw it. But now it's like, oh, no, it's actually the complete opposite. And it's almost like a fairy tale if you really want to like like match it up, because most people think this is a waste of time and all that. And, and in reality, it's kind of funny because they're doing it anyways. They're already doing it regardless of that's the beauty of it. It's like. You, it's almost like you you you're just amazed by like how people do it 
and they're talking to you and they have this personality and everything. And it's like, they're doing the same thing you're doing. You just know, like you said. And I think that's the only difference like uh, between like a, like you used to mention a noble mind and a human mind, like a normal human mind. And then uh-huh. it, it's like a noble mind knows that this is all like it's greater than the context in which you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's it, yeah. Yes, and that the quality of life itself is that most valuable thing. Yes, being yeah. alive, staying alive, being able to take that next breath is so marvelous. Just one more breath. This will do. Don't have to worry about the future. Just let's take this breath. And. Uh, yeah, it's like that's uh, you said this thing a long time ago when I was like right on like kind of like on the edge of like kind of going through a lot of things. And you said like. Um, now this is now you're going to like start to discover who you really are. You know, like you're going to really start to discover like, oh, like all these years you've been doing this, like you've been acting this out and doing these things. And then now because all these things are basically like coming up and now you get to like really know who you are. And that's in that sense of, well, Mm -hmm. go ahead and really look. And it's almost crazy because I don't know if this is all just self prophecy and you're just doing it because you like you're just, you know, doing the effort to figure things out. but it's almost like funny because no matter like you can say like, oh, you already been through all this, so you already know how this goes. You know, you already know the process and how this kind of works out. And and that's what's funny is like humanity is just like this weird clunky thing that you can kind of unbox <laughs> in the same way. And, and you know, everybody kind of has the same thing. It's like the same way. And what's crazy is there's no humans. It's just like it's like what people say is that uniqueness everything is so unique in its own its own uh, own way well one of the ways of looking at it is is that um the dhamma itself when we first start looking at the dhamma it's complicated it's got three of this and four of that and six of those and four more of these things and eight of that and 12 of this and 16 of those and on and on those numbering systems kind of go. The actual rationale behind that is those numbering systems just are mnemonics to help the the teachers and the ones who were studying the Dhamma to remember that there are five aggregates and you have to count them up and get them all five. And there's also five hindrances. You need to count them up and get them all five like that. So, uh, but ultimately the Dhamma itself is very, very simple. It's very easy. There's nothing much to it at all. And that is Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. That's the whole thing. And that we can also get a little more complexity into it by understanding it in the sense of the Four Noble Truths, that there is dukkha, there is reasons and causes, and when you don't have those reasons and causes, you feel a whole lot better, and then this is how we can apply that so that we can feel not dissatisfied. We can come back to a state of satisfaction. So it's actually quite simple. 
Now, what's complicated is dukkha and how people avoid it because it's actually built in with ignorance. In other words, the complexity is all based in ignorance. The wisdom and the truth is actually quite small. It's a very small, tight little package, dukkha, sukha, dukkha, or dukkha naroda. Your choice, can you remember which side you're going to flip or flop on? Because yeah. normally we are flipping or flopping according to our habits of flipping or flopping rather than according to our wisdom of flipping and flopping. And so the point is, is to turn the light on and take a look at what's going on, and that's all there is to it. It's, uh, Except it's... that we have to do that with every darn little ignorant thing that we come across. Is turn the light on, take a look at it, and recognize, hey, I don't have to flip, I can flop instead. <laughs> uh, I don't have to flip out, I can just flop. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you can just flop. Right, I can just flop. I don't have to flip out. And that's always our choice. And we have been spending way too much of our time ignorantly flipping out. And now you're learning that you can just flop instead. And it's okay that life is a flop. <laughs> it's it's like the more intense it gets, the more you accept life. Like it's like the more intense it becomes. Like even though not is, much is it really is it really intense, or are you paying closer attention to whatever intensity there was there all along? That yeah, that's that's the part that is is the surprising part. Um, it's it's like a calm intensity. It's not like a it's like a rich like a rich substance. Mm -hmm. It's not it's thick, uh, you know, like in a metaphorical. Um, but it uh, it's a bright light, but it's not burning light. In other words, you can use the light to see rather than being blinded by looking into the light. Exactly, it, it, and. Uh, it's just wild. Uh, I think it's the uh, the weird part is how we. Um, okay, yeah. That a lot of the buts, you know, like yeah, everything's good and all that. But then you know, you hear somebody say but, 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 mm -hmm. but this and but that. And a lot of the buts for me came from like the fear of like, oh, something really bad could happen to you. So are you ready for it? You know, like, and the answer like, is, I can handle it. Yes, I am ready yeah, for it. Yeah, I can yeah. handle it. And that's mm -hmm. the thing is, like, you, it's like a, it's so crazy how, like, we just worry about things, though, for me at least, like, worrying about things that not even happening yet. So it kind of gets in the way of all of that. And it, it's, but it's that crazy. is so typical as part of the culture that we live in is, is that you better be careful because something's going to go really bad if you don't. You got to do your homework. You got to do this. You got to do that because something really terrible is going to happen. Why do you think, um, I mean, personally, I guess, why do you think life is so like not like the life that we're used to? I'm saying like real life. Like, why do you think reality like nature is so calm? And like, I know it has like it's it has this harmony. I wouldn't say it's calm, but it has this. Almost like Leela. How about the word that the Hindus have? Uh, the word Leela has the quality of play or dancing. Yeah, it has this. 
this almost it's got like no force to it. It's just got beauty of beauty of motion. Everything is just dancing, lilting, yeah. moving. It, it remind like it, it always makes me think about when my body, like when the body and all that stuff goes away. It always makes me think like, wow. For I, when I was born, like, well, it, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the reverse. It's like you open your eyes and bow, you know? And then, like, when you die, and I always think, because I, I have, like, um, friends and family and, you know, people and, like, especially one friend that I love the most and, um, and like, love that, it, like, it's so intense that it hurts, you know, like that, you know? Um, it's like that mm -hmm. vulnerability. And I always think, like, I'm sorry, I'm getting like teary because it's like emotional, but, uh -huh. um, but it's always like, um, how do like I know like I'm not saying how, but um, it's it's kind of crazy because like it's like a dance, but then it like ends. So it's yes. like, like it's like beautiful, but it's still it's beautiful. Right, it's beautiful, and. Let's enjoy it as it is now, because it will end. Everything is in a cycle. Everything ends. Now, here's a way of looking at that, and that is, is that don't look at it in the sense of everything is ending and uh, that you're dead, but look at it from the sense of when you're still alive, before you die, right when you die, and as you die, those are mind moments. How are you going to spend those mind moments? Are you ready not for death itself, but are you ready for the dying process? I'm excited. I'm excited in the sense of like I'm I'm I'm. It's almost already a thing that's already taking place. It's like I feel like life. A lot of it is a memory that I'm just kind of working through, and like you know, like working through these situations and these tendencies. And I guess like when I realized like when you love someone, like when you find that dearest, nearest, you know, like the Buddha talks about the dearest of the dear, you know, um, it's like, like, because you it's it's a different type of quality because you're like super um, in love and attached. And so it's how does that end? You know, like you can't believe it because it's so amazing and all. So and. I don't know it, that's that's something more like it you can't really think it it's it's a feeling like it's like something that works right. itself out um yeah. well here's how it does work itself out and it does it with feeling or thinking in fact and that is is that if you know in advance that when you lose something that is dear that that will bring on grief you can plan on it in advance and sort of recognizing, you know, it can be a dog or a girlfriend or a laptop or whatever that we have that we find is dear. It's good to occasionally have a thought about this laptop's going to die. That dog is going to die. That bird that Kitty found the other day, I thought it was going to die that night, but it waited four days to die. She became quite attached to it. So I was very surprised that when the bird died, she took care of it herself. She didn't even have to come crying to me about the bird dying. But everything dies. The yeah. question is, 
Are you ready for that to happen, even if what is dying is so dear to you that it's your own life itself? Yeah. And know that we're going to die. Plan on dying. Think about dying. Think about all the ways that you could die. You can brush aside all the instant deaths, like out of the blue, we're just sitting here, and then a gun goes off and I'm dead, <laughs> or that a bomb blows up. No, think about it in the sense of having fallen out of an airplane. <laughs> you have time. <laughs> and we have time, right, because we almost all death has that time. The other possibility is dying in one sleep, but even then, there is a dying process. You should have been paying attention. <laughs> <Even> <laughs> right. And it, that's the whole idea. Then a lot of people, uh, they, the cowboys talk about that they want to die with their boots on. What does mm. that mean? They want to die in action. They don't want to be sick in bed and dying from the sickness. If I'm yeah. going to get shot, let me not be lying in bed for days and days, wounded and die. Let me go ahead and die right there on the battlefield with my boots on. Okay, that's one of the uh, the mentalities. And so we can play with this kind of stuff, recognizing that you're going to die. It's like Everybody's, how are you going to do that? What preferences do you have? Because you don't have any preferences over whether you are going to die or not. For sure, it's going to happen. How are you going to handle that? It, how, are handle, how are you going to breathe? It's what are you going how, to say? It's similar to how I handled, I think, the inadequacy. It, because it's really that. It's really like people, I think like with the, with, it's like you think you're going to lose everything. Like you think you're going to lose all this stuff. And, uh, it, but it's, I think it's, it hits you. Like, I don't think it hits people, like, until they die because they don't have anything they love more than themselves when they're, like, when they're living. So they don't know how that feels. So. You know? Exactly so. So let's deal now yeah. with the loss of things mentally before we actually lose them. So that when we do lose them, whether it's a laptop or a dog or your own life, you're ready to let it go. That's what I mean about how are you going to spend your last mind, mind, mind moments? How are you, are you going to spend it clinging to life? Are you going to be spending your last moment, um, uh, let us say, blaming your, uh, um, uh, the, the guy who shot you or killed you? I'll see you in hell. Or yeah. uh, we're going to spend our last mind moment angry. How are we going to spend our last mind moment? I'm going to spend you, it like happily. Beautiful. Happy. Okay. Well, let's spend right now happy because it might be our last moment. Uh, that's yeah. the kicker of that joke. <laughs> I know, right? That's like I don't know how like how much appreciation I have. So much like people say, like oh, like you know, like I want a hundred percent of my brain. I want a hundred percent of like I really appreciate the fact that we have filters like now more than ever. Like of course I appreciate like wow if you didn't you know that, but like. The fact that we can even communicate right now is is beyond incredible because that should uh -huh. not be in a way. They, they in a way, it just doesn't make sense, you know, that we're doing right. this. Yes, not only the technology and the Zoom and whatnot, but the fact that we're actually just speaking to each other in concepts. But we're able to use those concepts in words to turn that into an experience for you now. 
it's well i mean yeah look at what life is you're right life is just the experience of it moment by moment here it is and words i mean like life as we know it usually is made up of word like conventional reality is made up of just words like just sounds words. you know reactions to those sounds and um yeah it's crazy i mean that's uh I mean, I'm sure you've been through that uh, with the love thing um, in your life because you're old and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you. Yes. Love in and, fact, dealing with my mother's death in advance, literally years in advance, because she had advanced Alzheimer's and her old body was tough, but her mind was gone for about 10 years. <laughs> there was wow. nothing left of her mind that, in fact, um, when I would call her, she would work herself up and feel bad. Oh, when are you coming home? Oh, I want to see you and that kind of stuff. And she would ask three or four of the same questions over and over and over and again over a period of an hour. And it's all she'd have. And I'd answer her question in great detail or in short. And then she'd come up with another question that had just been answered. There was nothing left of her mind. But feelings, yes. And so I decided that it would be better if I didn't even call her because all she does is get upset when I do. That when I'm not with her, she doesn't think about me at all. She's much better off without me. And so I was able to give up my mom years before she actually died. That takes a lot, like, you know, like a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, it's crazy because I don't think people know how much that takes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it, 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 because I mean, now you're like calm, but I'm sure at the time it took so much for, like out of you that, you know, it, it built you up now. To no, just one, you know. no, just one thought at a time, just one at a time. Yeah. I can handle this, I can handle that. And so it was actually quite easy to let go because I only let go of a little bit at a time. Okay. Oh, one okay. thought at yeah. a time. Just one thought of a time. That's the old, that's the whole practice of Atapanasati is just let go of it right now. Don't don't keep it all built up so that it blows over or or, or explodes. Unless it's in doing it in joy, like you. It, to be overwhelmed with how marvelous things are. <laughs> yeah, like even things like that, you know, like not that you know that happened, but that you were able to see. And, you know, even love your mom in a different way. And, like, it's crazy because, like, there are so many things in life that you have to do that to. Like, you have to let go. Even though you don't want to let go, you have to because Mm -hmm. it's the best thing to do. And uh, I think that's probably the number one thing that we all, we just, that's the practice. (laughs) You know, the things that cause you suffering, let them go. Mm -hmm. So, you know. But the question is, do we have to let them go all of a sudden at the point of its death? Or can we oh, let no. it go little by little? That's impossible. I mean, good luck. You know, that's really hard. <laughs> but, but like, a, a, clear, a clear example of that with computers is backing up your drives. You've got to keep things backed up. Because if you don't keep things backed up, then you're going to be in really great misery when you lose all the data off of that drive. I feel, I feel like, like, like death or whatever, like death is similar to that. Like, like letting go of all that, like cleaning out, like letting go. And, uh, it, it's like, um, it's, it. 
like when you lose that deja vu we've talked about the, the mm-hmm. sense of deja vu being gone um mm-hmm. that is crazy like because i used to think like that that was you know you you your life is just a mechanism or whatever but then you told me to pay attention when deja vu comes up when these dreams like these vision like this kind of like oh this intuition that i dreamed this before that i had this before and one time like i realized it's just like that that there's i never had this before that's the point it's entering right now like like i realized it's like oh okay but i know that probably doesn't make sense but it doesn't have to but that <laughs> but but yeah it's it's just it's it's I think it's crazy how much and I'll be honest to you. Um, of course, I've been practicing and everything, but I, most of it has come from because of the practice. It's allowed me to retain what I'm going through without flipping out. So like that's where most of it like kind of comes from where it's like. I went through all these things and did all the things that I always was scared of doing. And then it's like, oh, OK, like, you know, actually. Like, um, I think that Westerners put far too much value on what we would call formal practice. Yeah, yeah. that um, that really the, the one of the main values of formal practice, which you have obviously done, is to develop sati to remember to look so that when you're not doing formal practice, you continue to remember to look at what's going on. And that's where all the insights come from is because now you're out there living your life and actually looking at what's going on and seeing it in a new way. And as you keep doing that over and over again, it begins to build a new habit as well as uh, the insight, the sharpness of the insight grows so that the things that you used to see as Dukkha are now seen as not Dukkha and other things that used to be seen as not Dukkha are now seen as Dukkha because we're refining our um, understanding of the reality of things. And basically, there's actually only one insight. And there's only one insight. And what is that insight into what is the nature of Dukkha? Well, that's... Dissatisfaction. It's it's Mm -hmm. conditional. That's the whole thing. Is it's it's just you. It's just you're choosing it. (laughs) Yes, choosing it it. exactly. That's where it's all coming from. Is our choice every time, and we choose it ignorantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than wisely. It's uh, it just makes you laugh most of the time. (laughs) It does. It does. It's so funny. When we begin to see that, it's just so marvelous to recognize. You know, I've had a choice about how I felt all my life, and I didn't know it. I thought I was supposed to feel the way you're supposed to feel in in this situation. It's it it's so mind blowing. I don't know. Like it's just like you realize it. You're like, and it's not even like a realization. It's like a uh, you know how like people meditate and we wait for this moment to arise and come down and embrace us. But like, for me, it's like, like, oh, I've, I've like, it's like waking up from like a hangover, right? Like when, if, if you've ever drank before, like in your young days, like, you know, you wake up and you're like, wait, what? You know, like, well, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, you're like, 
or you know it's it's crazy or you know you it's really like blacking out it really is that ignorant state of you just kind of dissociate from reality and people have that already you know as they grow up and all that um that tendency actually you could say that one of the places that that happens a lot is in business meetings where people are not paying attention to what the meeting is going on. They're thinking about going home. They're thinking about how they like or dislike other people in the room and whatnot like that. And basically what happens in the business meeting, most of the people miss. Yeah. yeah because they're not paying attention to what's happening in the business meeting. They're not ha- only half paying attention to what's happening in their own mind. And so they're divided back and forth and back and forth. And so learning to focus on anything is a skill to be able to apply the mind to something and let it stay there rather than jumping around so much. And it's a, um, a it's a, the way that a monk lives her or his life and the way that a, um, a lay person, I've realized how similar it is in the way, obviously, that we approach everything obviously because it's the same way Mm -hmm. but it's funny because like a per like like if a monk was in the world like a like a fully ordained monk who you know who is practicing the practice and is having insight and you know is fully developed in the practice like flip that over he lives in the world all that is is a person who's happy (laughs) in the world with everything around them and then you just put them in a forest and it's just a person that's happy without everything around them. And it's like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like they're living their life having quality. It really is an all attitude. The problem is, is that the way that we raise our children, very few people wind up naturally happening, happy in adulthood. Yeah, we all like, get indoctrinated into having the primary feelings of being bad feelings, greed, ill will, ignorantly. Yeah, we're taught to want and to want and to want instead of uh, teaching the child to not be afraid. We teach the children to be afraid. Because they've got to do what they're told to do. In fact, I've got an example of that, that uh, when mom uh, or the teacher or I would talk really straight to Kitty like she's done something wrong, pay attention and look at what we're doing she would become afraid and start to cry, which meant then that mom and the teachers are going to get angry at her, which means she's going to cry some more. And I kept telling her, Kitty, don't be afraid of mom. Don't be afraid of her. And so um, then came along, it has to do with the dog. So the dog becomes a teacher of Kitty. And this is what happened. The dogs are not allowed on the bed, but sometimes they do. And and the game is, is that uh, they only come on the bed when mom is not at home. If mom is at home, there's no way they'll get on the bed. But when dad's home and in the bed, they'll get on the bed, too, like early in the morning after mom goes to work. So that's the situation. So Kitty decides that she's going to take photos of the dogs to show mom that the dog has been on the bed. All right. <laughs> And so she approaches the dog with this camera as if it were a stick or something. And and now that uh, it's happened several times, 
I point out to Kitty, look how terrified Lucky is. And she's so terrified she can't even get off the bed, which is what she knows she's supposed to do, just like you do. When you start to cry, you know what you can, you're supposed to do, but you're crying so hard and so afraid you can't do what you know needs to be done to get mom off your back, for instance. And she picked that up. She recognized that the, she was just behaving exactly the same way that the dog was behaving, afraid. When the dog was afraid, the dog was too stupid while afraid to get off the bed. But if mom is on the porch, if mom comes into the house, the dogs are lickety split off the bed. They know that she's coming. So they know how to get off the bed in a hurry. But when Kitty's approaching with the camera, they get really afraid. <laughs> and Kitty learned that. In fact, I'd already told you about the story of the bird, that the bird died. And she was able to handle that without crying or being afraid or uptight about her little bird dying. The same way with her vaccine. She just got her vaccine. The first shot, the kid's vaccine, they've got them in Thailand now, and she's had her first shot just today. And I asked her, how was it? Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. So that's amazing. I can, hand, I can handle that. And so, yeah, I'm really pleased that, uh, uh, that, that the dogs were a teacher for her so that we can learn to not be afraid. Because if we're afraid, we can't perform. We can't do anything when we're afraid. All we have is the adrenaline to get us into a fight or flight, to run away or to fight it. Rather than having the, the, the wisdom and the presence of mind to take care of business. That happens, in fact, when people are getting busted by the boss. They either want to run away, they freeze, or they want to argue. When the boss is really what he wants is for them to listen and learn. It, yeah, it's uh, I think that's too. It's like humble, you know. You, it's like having a teacher and um, and all that. And um, I think like learning how to discipline yourself and all. Oh, it's part of it's part of just you know learning how to be here now and not being here now exactly to not give in to those fears that we picked up in childhood. It's like a, there was this guy, like a guy asked a, a, another man, he's like, he asked him, um, my life, like the cliche question, it's like my life, you know, I've done everything right, and I practice, and I've done it all, and it's all good, and, but yet, you know, somehow I still feel inadequate and all that, and he's like, well, just imagine, right, like he put this whole example, like you just, in a, in a way of, um, imagine if a whole army is coming to your village, a small village, and, you know, all you have is a small army and you're, you have to protect your family and everything. Are you, and, and do you think that when you sit under a tree and you're waiting for the battle, are you going to think about all the things that you, you hate about yourself and all the things that you are you really going to think about all the things that no, on that last day, the only thing is going to be how you face that, how you face it like how you are going to go out there and do it. Like you will give it all. I mean, it might, you know, this is a crazy example, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's. I like do that. exactly know what you mean. That in fact, 
we do not deal with the fear and think about, oh, poor me and my poor family and all of that kind of stuff. No, we stay focused on there's a job that has to be done here. Let's pay attention to what needs to be done. And so that's another example right there. It's a pretty heavy, gross example, but that's exactly the same issue as the dog can't get off the bed. Yeah, and it's like the boots, <laughs> uh, the cowboy by their bootstraps. Uh, they want to mm-hmm. die in the in in what they're doing, and and it's like or or um, Master uh, uh, Buddha Dasa, like you know how he died with. It's like, you know, uh, I don't need the helicopter. You know, I don't need the hospital. I'm I'm here. I'm here right here now. <laughs> you remember like, that? Wow, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. that's so amazing. It's a really, it is a good story. It really is. You know, that he can like, handle he can handle dying right here. He doesn't have to go flying a helicopter to die. He can do that right here. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, most people would like a ceremony, flowers, a chill, everything around, you know. Like, it's like, in, a re- in reality, it's like, that already happened. Like, you know, like, it, it, you don't need all that. It's already gone. Like, you just, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like, you know. Fine. They don't have to celebrate my life or my death. I'm celebrating it right now myself. <laughs> Having my own little celebration. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it reminds me of that war, like, the samurai, the warrior, and you know, and all that stuff, like how they, how they were always like, there's a job to be done. You do not mm-hmm. like, you don't, you, you are here, you know, you carry yourself with grace and composure. And, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean you don't like feel anything, but you know, you feel and you move on. You know? oh, but if you're doing that, you're feeling secure rather than afraid. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's like the Buddha, like he had this like intensity about him, but he was still able to relate to everyone welcome everybody in and he wasn't like scaring people away with his mm-hmm. um, you know like toughness well uh one example that we can use the poly word for fear is baya and that they have abaya which is not fear but it's been translated into english as fearlessness and that is a confusing thing because fearlessness is actually what the warrior does as he's getting ready for battle. And he uses that fearlessness to cover up his fear. In other words, he is in courage. He has courage. He can go meet that danger. And there's a slight difference in the sense of uh, if that warrior felt safe and secure, he would not be putting on the armor to go to battle. He'd be preparing supper for the the enemy to come his guest. He's not actually afraid at all. So fearlessness is actually courage and and, uh, the ability to go uh, with it by pushing that fear down to where the Buddha doesn't have that fear at all. Yeah. And he feels safe and secure. He knows that he can handle the situation easily. In fact, there's a Zen story about that, that the samurai uh, general was going through the area, uh, conquering villages, and he went into this one village, and and, um, um, he went into the temple, and there all of the monks were bowing and scraping. All the big generals come with his warriors and his samurai sword, Everyone was bowing except for the abbot of the monastery who was just standing there watching what was going on. 
And the general saw him and marched up to him. And he says, don't you know that I can pull this sword and cut you in half in a single blow without blinking an eye? The old abbot says, don't you know, sir, that I can stand here and let you cut me in half without blinking an eye? Oof, that's that's a way of coming back without <laughs> fighting anything. <laughs> and that like general that. respected him for that. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that's incredible. Like, uh, that's that's incredible. <laughs> it's a that, it's a that is uh, that. So that's not fearlessness. That's just no fear at all. I'm not afraid. Yeah, it's, Don't it's, you know uh, that I can just stand here and let you cut me in half? I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> and that, and that's uh, the um, that's why they say the samurai. Uh, he puts on a grave face before he has to mm -hmm. go to battle because no samurai ever wants to go to battle like there's mm -hmm. no like because that inside they don't that's never needed to it shouldn't have to be used in the, that's and they, that's you know. right and in fact that's why buddhism kind of reformed japan to turn the martial arts and the real bushido and the um uh the wars in the 1700s for the shogunate and all of that and turn that into Zen and the art of whatever martial art you're talking about. Zen and the art of archery, or Zen and the art of sword making, or Zen and the art of swordsmanship. Or that, in fact, the go-to kind of uh, martial art that I learned was very strongly mentally oriented. That it's the mind. It's not just the strength or the repetition or doing the work. It's the mind state that we get in so that we can handle anything. The mind state of being right here now. You can imagine, in fact, two people, never mind their training skills, but two people in a fight with each other. The one who is thinking about his mom is the one who's going to get hit. And the one who's paying attention to what's going on is the one who's going to be able to defend himself either verbally or mentally or physically. Because he's Go, here now. What was the name of that? Goju. Goju. The word go, it means strong. And then ju means soft. So it's a hard, soft system. Okay, and you you heard the word jujitsu, and you know that jujitsu is using the other the opponent's work against him. Well, this is what goju has in it too, but it also has a great deal of strength. That what we do is we make the arms very strong and hold it very tough to get those on. the the uh, The way that they teach it is is that if you hit something really hard with your arm and your muscles are not tight, you could break your arm. But if your muscles are really tight and firm, then they will operate as a shock absorber so that you might get bruised, but you don't break your arm. Okay, yeah. That way that now you can go out and you can use that part of your arm as a weapon. <laughs> yeah, I see what because you're saying. Because you've got the strength built into it because this is a much better weapon, uh, especially for blocking, because you can go like like that and, and actually break this guy's arm who's punching out like that, but he's punching. So he's got a different muscle system going. And when I take my tight muscles and bang into his arm, 
I can literally break his arm. I've actually knocked a gun out of a cop's hand by doing that. Oh, for real? Wow. Mm-hmm. For real. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, like I never heard of Goju, but that's cool. I never heard of that type of martial arts. But yes, well, it's, it's from Okinawa, but it's definitely Japanese. It is definitely Zen. That's so cool. Like, um, it, it's, de- it's definitely interesting how all this translates, all of these martial arts and all these arts translate to this internal, like we can internalize it and just make it something like resonates with this practice and so forth. But it's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has two main components to it, speed and attitude, <laughs> which are exactly the two components that we need for Anapanasati. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it always goes back to that. Every, every, every skill, everything. It's like every, every, uh, every true skill, I think, especially physical skill, is so mm-hmm. related to that. It's, it's, it's related to that mental attitude because it's going to be pain there's going to be a lot of pain because you're growing you're going to be growing and you know changing mm-hmm. and so forth so it's it's interesting how that works but yeah well dennis i tell you what we've been all over the place with our dharma talk today and i've really enjoyed it coming into that point that you started with of being here now being in the present being in our senses and watching what we're doing and seeing what's going on. And that is actually liberating because we recognize that our conceptualized world is upside down to what actual reality is. Yeah. It's beautiful. They're so beautiful. Just to pay attention. This is so nice. And I am really pleased to see you again. Gosh, it's been months since we've seen each other, and I'm really pleased at your progress. Congratulations. You're really making good progress. Actually, it's been almost two years. Has it I been swear. that long? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Ah. I know, me too. I'm like, whoa, how has it been this long? But it almost feels like we, I never, I never, nothing ever, like I never stopped talking to you really. Right. We're still right here, right now. <laughs> here we are. And I'm really pleased to see you. I hope that next time you call, it's not two years from now. I hope that you oh, call. No, no. I just needed oh, that time to, to mm-hmm. grow. And to, well, by, by the way, um, we are doing a whole lot of stuff now with Sangha. Oh, of okay. the, the students that are, are practicing are learning about each other now. I invite you to look um, in fact, you already know about the YouTube videos. I've, I've right? seen the UK one. Um, do you have a US one? Like, is it, does it matter? Or? Um, I've forgotten where you are. I'm in Florida, United States. You're in Florida. That's right. That's right. That's right. Around Orlando area. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I remember now. Okay. So, yeah, there is a uh, Sangha UK and the Sangha. Um, uh, U.S. The one on Sangha U.S. We meet on Friday evenings. Your time would be nine o'clock on Friday evening, which is nine a.m. on Saturday morning here. And last time we had fourteen on. Oh wow! Okay, that'd be fun. That'd be fun to talk. 
So I invite you to come on. And also both the uh, UK and the Sangha US have threats where people are talking about their practice. I mean, we're really building Sangha. People are are helping each other. Yeah, you don't need me so much anymore. We've got (laughs) to. I still want to talk to you. (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) You were the one who didn't call for two years. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, yeah. So I invite you to check it out and maybe we can see you on the Sangha calls. You can just hang out or or whatever. Definitely, yeah. I'd love to meet new people and, you know, talk to talk to the people, like the people, you know, talk to all of my friends. Excellent. Excellent. All right, well, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Damarata. Uh-huh. Happy to see you today. So happy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.